Hey guys, you are listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie and I'm your host and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey, hey, hey friends, welcome to the middle of April. At the time that this show is releasing, we're about a month into our sheltering at home. How is everything going with you? That is feels like the most loaded question I've ever asked. I know for our household, there are some really great sweet moments that I'm so thankful for, like eating dinner together every single night. And there are some really rough moments too, like everyone dealing with being stuck at home for 30 days and missing their friends. I've been reminded of how Jesus was not tossed about by the waves of storms or overwhelmed by the chaos of the crowds as he walked about the cities. He knew where his home was and he knew the father was near. I'm praying for you, sister, mama to little ones, mama to big kids, college girl, widow, single woman, grandmother, wife. I am praying for each of us women that we would be Jesus in the midst of the storm and the chaos around us, that God's peace and his sovereignty would be our strength and our comfort. Guys, I'd like to give you another scripture verse for this week, and we're going to give you a shareable that you can put on your screen for your phone, for your saver. So every time you pick up your phone, which is a million and one times a day, you can hopefully see this and be blessed by this. It's Psalm 121 verses one and two. It said, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I pray that that's a blessing for you. Check out my Instagram page at Jamie Ivy, and you can find that all of the shareables that we have, they're saved in my story, so you can find them there. Friends, on today's show, my new friend, Beth McCord, joined me. She came into my tiny house studio earlier this spring before we were all forced to stay home and do interviews via the internet. And I am so happy that we got to be together to capture this conversation for you guys. We talk a lot about the Enneagram because that's her thing. That's what she does. We talk about relationships. We talk about growth and our personal self-esteem and what life might look like after our kids have all moved out of the house because that's where she's living right now. Well, right now, all her kids are home because we're quarantined. Beth is an encouraging and peaceful voice. Her voice is so peaceful that is leading the way in simplifying the deep truths of the Enneagram from a biblical perspective. Her mission is to make personal awareness and growth accessible for everyone anywhere so they can experience health and transformation in every area of their lives. I highly recommend you following her on Instagram. You can find her at Your Enneagram Coach. Follow her all the time, but especially right now in this difficult season, she is offering such wisdom about how we all walk through these uncomfortable circumstances, different, and a lot of that has to do with our personalities, with the lenses that we see life through. Friends, this week we started our Bible study together called Your Story Matters. You can still join us. It is never too late. In fact, we're in the first week this week where we're uncovering the first lie that keeps us from sharing our story through the lens of the gospel. And the first lie is that my story doesn't matter. 
I'll be the first to admit that letting people into our most vulnerable places is very, very hard. Maybe the understatement of our lifetime. It's scary. It's so intimidating. You are automatically thinking, no way, Jamie, there are some things that I just can't say out loud. Letting people in is so very hard. I get it, you guys. I really get it. But I think there's a better way. I think there can and there should be a new way of thinking about our stories, a way that takes the pressure off of all of us, a way that says God will use my story for his glory and for his glory alone. That is exactly why we made this six-week small group video teaching series called Your Story Matters. In this study, we're going to walk through six lies that I believe are hindering us in sharing our stories. I want to highlight one of these lies and offer a reminder as we ask God to guide us into sharing our stories. The first lie, like I said, is my story doesn't matter. I hear this often, very often. And what I think women are truly saying is, what's the big deal with me? My story can't really change the world like you say. It can't really make a difference in the big schemes of life. What I have to say isn't really that important. And yet, I beg to differ, my friend. I believe 100%, and I'm not lying when I say this, that every person's story on the planet matters. And hear me say this, especially if you are a follower of Jesus. Here's what we need to remember, that if we are a follower of Jesus, if we are a Christian, that your primary identity is that you are a child of God, a beloved child of God. And that is the identity that really matters when sharing your story. Friends, there's still time to join me and join our community of other women in this study. Call your girlfriends, call your cousins, your sisters, your neighbors, and set up a time to join with one another to change the world. Visit jamieivy.com and click on the Join Us Now for Your Story Matters button. You can do this with friends virtually, or you can do this alone in the privacy of your home. I'll be meeting every single week virtually online in a place that you can join us. I'd love to see you there. Okay, my friends, here is my conversation with Beth McCord. Beth, welcome to the happy hour. Yeah. I'm I so almost said, Beth, welcome to your Enneagram coach. Hey, <laughs> welcome to your Enneagram coach, Jamie. You are the your Enneagram coach. Yes. Okay. Introduce yourself and then we're going to jump in. Tell me where you live. Yeah. We're going to get into what you do, but tell me about your family. Yeah. So uh, Beth McCord, married to Jeff McCord. This will be 25 years in May. We live outside of Nashville, Tennessee. We have two kids, both in college. So we are empty nesters. And, and you like it. it. I do. Well, we're 45, and so we had our kids when we were 23 and 25. This is going to be my life. So it's like, we're just having a great time, right? So yeah, no, we love it, and we have a great relationship with our kids. And yeah, so I'm your Enneagram coach, and we've been doing this as a profession uh, since 2016, but we have been using the Enneagram, or we're introduced to it, way back in 2001 when Jeff was in seminary. Wow. Where in seminary? Covenant Theological Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, it was a long time ago. That is a long time ago. So Before it was a big thing. Before it was a big thing. First of all, before we get to Enneagram, I want to talk about empty nesting. Uh, when you just said your ages, I had my oldest at 25. Yeah. And my youngest was, I don't know how old I was, 29. Yeah. Because I didn't birth her. So I had all my kids before I was 30, which there's pros and cons. Yep. Because you are living the pro of what I'm going to experience. Yes. Is that Aaron and I, before we're 50, are going to have... A house empty. Yeah. Time to yourself. Time to ourselves, which um, I won't say what we said to each other, but the other day we made a bet. It wasn't a bet. It was a, a deal yeah. of what was going to happen in our house when our last kid left for college. Yeah. And let me just tell you, the sparks will be kept alive. Yes. Because 
teenagers <laughs> make things difficult in your house sometimes with the romance area. And when all these kids are gone, Aaron and I are going to be like 20-year-old kids again. And it just you can't even believe what's going to happen in the Ivy That's household. Funny. So we were just talking about this because our daughter, who does still live at home, but mm-hmm. she's you know in college, she's going to be moving out this summer. And our son was like, what are you guys going to do? And I'm like, don't worry. We'll be we're gonna fine. be totally fine. Like we knew each other and had fun before y'all were born. <laughs> I'm sure we can figure this out now that you guys are gone. Exactly. So it's just funny because like that's all they know is yeah. us and them, right? Mom and dad. Yeah. They don't know you without being there all the time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, but the sad part of it is my oldest is a sophomore. And I if we spent too much time talking about this, I would start crying because I cannot imagine. Yep. Sending the kid away. But here's the thing. And this is what's so cool about God is that he does it in the right timing. Because it's kind of like when you first get pregnant, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not ready. I don't know what this is going to be like. And then nine months come and you're like, get this kid out, you know? And so when it's time, you will feel the nest is too small and he needs to fly away. And you will enjoy when he comes back. And you will also enjoy (laughs) when he goes to school or whatever it is he's going to do. Everyone that has launched a kid has told me that exact same thing. Yeah. They said, you just, you're ready. Yeah. It's like a natural progression in life. So now you get to enjoy him at home. I know. And then eventually you'll enjoy him as he is when he's away. Oh, yeah. Crazy, crazy. Okay, so you are the your Enneagram coach. I am. I mean, my first question is the Enneagram. This is, we talked about this just for a few seconds before we started recording. It is this, what could seem like a fad right now. Yeah, absolutely. But you've been involved in and learned about the Enneagram since you said 2001. Yeah. Which I don't know how long ago that was because that's when I got married. Yeah. And so that's a long time. It is. I had never heard about the Enneagram until the last three years. Yes. Absolutely. So what went on with you between 2001 and 2017? Like, where was I? (laughs) Well, I mean, just like for us that are new to the Enneagram, we think it just showed up, which is not true of anything. And in fact, the Enneagram's been around for thousands of years. Am I correct? Well, there's debate out there about kind of like when it started and, you know, who kind of put together, especially in the modern form. So that's its own mystery. Um, But uh, for us, we were really stuck in our marriage. We were, when we were dating, we were like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Like, we're going to be the ideal couple because we love each other. We love the Lord. And then we got married. And we got married at 20. That's babies. Your babies. Can you imagine your daughter getting married? No. Yeah. She's 19. He's 21. I'm like, what? You know. And so what we usually say is if you've been married any longer than a honeymoon, you'll understand. Like, every time people get married, it's just like, what just happened? Yeah. Like, I thought we understood each other. And so what felt like ballroom dancing becomes like Twister and mm-hmm. you're stumbling over each other. And so by the time we had our two kids and we were in seminary, I just felt like I needed help. We needed help and we needed some kind of instruction manual. And we had good friends that were introduced to the Enneagram by their counselor. And so then they passed it on to us. I started reading about it and devoured it. Jeff looked at it and he thought it was pretty interesting, yeah. but... He, was, he had other things to do. Mm-hmm. And so I devoured it. But I'm a type nine, and type nines like to hide in the background and be quiet, not to assert themselves. So I did that for years until Jeff was like, I can really see that you're growing. This has been really helping us. You're communicating more clearly about what's going on. So then he started utilizing it. Then we started using it with people in our church as we were discipling and letting others know how this was helping us understand the gospel better. And we saw them transform, and it just kind of snowballed from there. But... There would be seasons where I'd get really into it and help people, and then something might come up, and I would hide again. Like you something know, just personal in your life? or Personal, or maybe someone was not sure about the Enneagram, yeah. you know, because I don't want conflict as a uh-huh. night. So then I would just hide, you know. Then I'd come back out, and I'd learn about it again. And it was about 2015 in the fall. 
I felt very overlooked. At this time, I, at this stage of life, I really understood the Enneagram and I was looking to become an Enneagram coach. Didn't really have a lot of direction on that. There really wasn't much of that out there, but I knew what I wanted. And a person overlooked me significantly that could have kind of launched me into this mm-hmm. fear. And I remember getting up and just being like, I saw this post and they were like, oh, so-and-so recommended this book. And I'm like, I'm with you every day. Like you could have asked me any question and I would have been happy to share stuff with you. So I stood up and walked out of the house, passed Jeff on the way. And he was like, whoa, what's happening? Look at the post. So I grabbed my keys and nines, we want to keep everything steady. Well, when our emotions are big like that, it's so uncomfortable. So I got out, I went to the car, started driving because I knew I had to let this energy out. So I was screaming for probably 10 minutes in, in your car, car while in you're in my car, which is so not like uh-huh. me. But I knew I, as nines, we have a lot of energy and pent up, you know, anger, passion that's been buried for so long. And I was screaming. And on the way back, I felt like God was saying, why are you so angry? And I'm like, are you serious? Uh-huh. Do you not just see what just happened? And I kind of have that attitude. Like, do I have to explain this? And he was really patient. And he just said again, no, really, why are you so angry? And it was clear as day. I'm angry because I overlook myself. And what I realized is what I permit, I promote. And others are going to overlook me because I don't take myself seriously. I don't think my presence matters. And so that was my choice. Am I going to see myself for who I am and the worth that I have in Christ and show up in life? Or am I just going to keep hiding? And that was the turning moment. So that was uh, January of 2016 when we launched your Enneagram coach. And then the fall of 2016 is when the road back to you came out. And that's, that's when, when everything lit. everyone. So I was already kind of out there on the waves, you mm-hmm. know, surfing. And then all of a sudden the tsunami came and yeah. it's like, I was already out there ready yeah. to go. Yeah. And so I already had my certification and it just kind of snowballed from there. And the Lord, we just decided to really niche our our focus in a gospel-centered approach to the Enneagram. And then last year we came out with 10 books. One that you're holding is on marriage and using the Enneagram through a gospel-centered perspective. And then nine gift book journals where people can take a 21-day journey through their type. Which is brilliant. I have been wanting to sit, have you face-to-face to tell you that is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Because although I don't have one, I have thought a thousand times of I need to get one for my husband and I. Because correct me if I'm wrong, the point is I would go through my sixth journal. He would go through his three journal, answer the same questions, and come back and talk about them. Yep. Brilliant. I'm so, telling you, it is so brilliant. Yeah, so every day you and him would read some of the same common content. And then there's also type specific content. So you would be talking about your wings and like you would learn what wings are in general. And then you would learn specifically what your wings are. And I'm sure people out there are like, what are wings? Yeah. Yeah. You have to go get the book. to learn. <laughs> no, no, but um, yeah. So, and you can do it in small groups, Bible studies. I want to do it with Aaron and I, I make a mental note every day to get some. And so I love it. I think it is a great tool in marriage. Yeah. The Enneagram is. And yeah, so absolutely 10 books last year. I know. Way to go, guys. Yeah, it was it was a year. It was a year. <laughs> it was a year. You're not doing anything like little anymore, are you? No, no. Well, and actually we also developed 45 courses, one for each couple type last year as well. Eight modules each. So yes, it was quite the year. It's because you got this empty nester house. You I got know, all seriously. this time. You're like, what and are we going to do? <laughs> yes, it is absolutely true. But yeah, I love it. Okay. So my next question is, you know, I think I told you, and I've said I talk at the Enneagram a lot on the show because I found it to be super helpful in my un- understanding my own self and yeah. within my marriage with my husband. But there is this tendency for people to say, "Is this just a fad? Right. Like, right. are we done talking about this yet? 
Yeah. We're going to go on to the next thing. It used to be lions and otters and yes. whatever. And now this and what's next. Yep. Tell me your thoughts on this. I think it's a both. I think, yes, there are parts of it that is a fad in the sense, you know, the party games, um, making fun of people, all the jokes. But those that really want to transform and grow and have deep, substantial relationship with others, they're going to keep using it. But it's not going to be this every conversation because Jeff and I don't talk about it in every conversation we have. But when you're first into it, it's exciting. It's like, oh, my gosh, how can it be so real and true? So I think the hype will settle just like anything else in this you know, world. But I think those that see the value will keep using it. I mean, we've been using it for now almost 20 years. Yeah. And we still use it every day in our conversations, like even flying here, there are certain things that we had to clarify, like, hey, this is how I'm feeling, or this is what's Between really going on. Between the two of y'all. Oh, yeah. Like every day, it's like, hey, I know that you, this would land on you this way. I want to say this, but I want to clarify before I say it that that's not my intention. Yeah. Because we see the world from different what perspectives. healthy um, conversations, yeah. Yeah. Okay, before we jump in, because I feel like we have done a disservice to somebody, is what is the Enneagram? Yeah. The Enneagram is basically a map for personal growth. And when you look at the symbol, there are nine, it's basically a nine-pointed star. And each of the nine points represents nine valid perspectives of seeing the world, interpreting it, and then reacting to it. So you're a type six and I'm a type nine. It's as if you're wearing orange glasses and I'm wearing purple glasses. We think we're seeing the world through the same lenses, but now it's like, oh wait, you're totally seeing it from a different perspective. That's why you think this way. That's why you behave. And so the Enneagram is showing you why you think, feel, and behave in particular ways. And that's what's so different between this and the Otter stuff and in the Strength Finders and the Myers-Briggs is that shows you your preferences or what you do. This is showing you why you do what you do. And it's so powerful, especially if you're wanting to know your heart condition, which in our Christian faith, that's so important. Am I aligned, misaligned, or out of alignment with the truth of the gospel? And the Enneagram is going to show you so that hopefully you will stay on your healthiest destination, your healthiest path, but often we veer off course, but it's still going to show you what that's like. And so instead of having self-condemnation, fear, and shame, when we veer off course, we can use it as a warning system, like a rumble strip on the highway. Like, oh wait, if I keep thinking this way, if I keep feeling this way, this is what's going to happen. And I have the choice to recalibrate and recalculate and get back on path, or I can land in that Mm -hmm. ditch and I know what's going to happen. And so it's really this amazing system to help us to know which path we're really on and how to grow. I love it. And I, I, when I think about you guys, there's a lot of people out teaching the Enneagram and talking about it publicly. One thing that stands apart with you and your husband and the ministry that you guys do is making it so gospel-centered. Absolutely. So, so my question for you is, when it was first introduced to you, did you see it so gospel-centered? Or is that something that you have kind of worked through in the past 20 years? We really had to work through it. Yeah. Um, I would say 96% of the materials that were out there in 2001 um, had nothing to do with Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and really any teacher, whatever worldview they have, that's how they're going to teach it. Yeah. So if they're mystic, new age, you know, you name it, that's how they're going to bring it. We started learning it while Jeff was in seminary, four years of biblical training. And so once we got a hold of it, it was always, well, how do we see this through the lens of the gospel? Because if it couldn't fit, we don't want it. Yeah. But we really saw how this was Basically, it's an x-ray, right? An x-ray reveals what's not broken, but also what is broken. But the x-ray can't heal you. But it's very, I mean, it's very clear, right? And the gospel is what heals us. The gospel is what transforms us. So a lot of people, like, you know, they hear everyone else talking about the Enneagram and making it a big deal. It 
is an amazing tool, but it's the gospel that transforms us. And so if we don't bring the gospel in the forefront, what's the point of this? It's so good. I because really, bet. actually, I'll be honest, the Enneagram is like a non-judgmental friend and it is going to tell you exactly why you do what you do in your healthiest and your most unhealthy. It's super exposing. And it can be very shame-based if you don't use it correctly. But if we now know that our identity is in Christ and he, through his life, death, and resurrection, has given us all things, his righteousness, the freedom. Well, if we know that now, it's not that we sit back and go, oh, I don't have to do any work. It's, no, I get to surrender and depend on him. I get to rest in who I am and whose I am. And that is what transforms me. But if I don't recognize what I'm doing, how I'm hurting Jeff or the kids or other people, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Whereas I really want deep relationships. And so by understanding, oh, as a nine, I avoid conflict, which actually creates conflict, right? Now I need to learn how to step into conflict in a way that's honoring to God and a blessing to others, which I still hate, but I know it's but good. you're learning. Yeah, I'm learning. Yeah. It's good. You know, I find it so interesting, and you have to tell me if you have seen this. I have heard from non-Christian friends go, what's the Enneagram? Mm-hmm. So it's surprising to me that you have such a gospel-centered view on it, but yet I mostly hear about the Enneagram within Christian circles. Yeah, I think it's because when The Road Back to You came out, most of the material out there, like I said, was not Christian. And this was so Yeah, so I would say a lot of Christians were like, oh, I don't know what this is. Yeah, They they didn't really want to pick it up and really dive into it because, you know, when you've got a husband who has a four-year degree in theological training, I can go, hey, how would we view this from a Christian perspective? And then he would go, oh, well, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. And so I was able to move forward instead of being so panicked by other people's language. We just brought in a gospel-centered language and made it true to how Scripture shows us that we are. So, yeah, a lot of people are going to be not really know how to use this in this way. But when they wrote back to you, they kind of brought it, niched it into the kind of Christian sphere. And we just decided to really niche it in for those that really wanted to hear how to use it from a very biblical-based concept. Yeah. Well, I love it. Okay, so... I don't want to make this into a Jamie Ivy counseling session. Oh, but we do. Oh, but we do. <laughs> <laughs> so since I've talked about Enneagram on here, yeah. if you listen to the show often, you know I'm a six. Yes. My husband's a three. You guys getting things done. You know what? I wanted to be a three forever. Oh, you did? I tested, when well, you know, which I, you can give us your opinion, but I've always heard that the tests aren't actually the most valid way to figure out sure. your number. You agree? Yes. We have one that I think is actually really valid, but we always say, let that be a guiding post. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I tested as a two. Yes, that makes sense. Which I I, I hear yes. a lot of Southern Christian women will. Yes, absolutely. I am the furthest from a two. <laughs> so that I think that's funny. Uh, but I wanted to be a three so bad. Interesting. I wanted to be a three because I thought I have a lot of threes in my life. Yeah. And I know that threes get things done. Do. And I think from the outside, people would think that I might be a three. Mm-hmm. Built this thing by myself. Yep. Do this. Get things done. All that kind of stuff. Yep. But you know... It's not just what it looks like on the outside. It's not. It's what the heart looks like. It is. And and when people are typing, they'll want to type others. Well, you're only looking on the outside. Exactly. The Enneagram is everything about why you do what you do. You don't know why others do what they do. Here's Here's an example. So we're in your beautiful little studio here. And let's say you want your studio to be perfectly clean, which it actually really is cute. Oh, gosh. I love it. But all nine types will want it clean for different reasons. The one, because it's the right thing to do. Two, because it's going to be this warm hug, this little uh, tiny house studio. Um, the three, well, they want to show off. 
They want, what are you going to think about their image if it's a mess? The fours, they're going to want to have their aesthetics and their design out to show you them in a unique way. The fives are going to want to clean because they want to get to their resources really quickly whenever they need it. The sixes are going to want to clean because one, it's dutiful, it's responsible, um, it shows that they're hardworking, but also they don't want someone to trip over something. You know, what, what if something could happen? The sevens want it clean because they want to be able to move on to the next thing. The eights, they're not going to let their space control them. They're going to control it. And then me as a nine, I just want to clean because I just want to chill and relax, you know? So we can all do the exact same thing, but for very different reasons. It's so good. And that's why you can't look at someone like you who's getting things done or me who's getting things done and go, oh, well, they've got to be a three. No, I am not a three. I am such a nine. I know I have a heart, you know, strong eight wing, but I'm not a three. And so the reasons why I get things done is very different than what a three would. So can I ask you this? Because as a nine, um, and from the small knowledge that I have, it would tell me that it might be untypical for a nine to be doing what you're doing. It's very untypical. Okay. Here's the thing. A lot of our presidents, we assume, because we don't know their heart, right? We assume we're actually nines. And so- Really? Yeah. And so, again, we can't take them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But nines can be the most active on the Enneagram. The thing about nines is the internal struggle is sloth, but it's an internal sloth and not knowing what they want. But if they do become, you know, awakened to their passion and their calling, you better get out of the way. They go hard after it. So I kind of talk about how nines are like elephants. Like we're like kind of like lackadaisical and cozy with our friends in the mud puddle. But if there's lions around, you better darn well get out of the way because the elephants are like the king of the jungle. And so... What I see of myself for the last couple of years when I had that wake up moment of I overlook myself, I just feel like that energy and that passion, that drive, like I see what's ahead of me. I see the people that need this tool from a gospel center perspective, and I've just been charging forward and single focus. So nines can actually be some of the most active if they're awakened to their calling and their passion. But that's the key. We hide. So, so that's the struggle. But that's the work we have to do. So every day I literally have to like kind of internally get behind myself and push and say, go ahead and get up and go. This is important. The work you're doing is important. But everything in me as a nine says, can we please just chill out? Can we just relax? No. Yes. Obviously. Which you, it's, it's surprising. Releasing 10 books last year, right. 85 study. Like, yeah. And so I knew that was a special season of life. And so I just stayed focused kept my head down and went for it. And then this year we've had more balance. And actually balance is hard for a nine because either we're not doing anything really or we're totally going for it. It's hard to find the middle. It's hard to find the middle. So this year is all about how do I have that middle? So the Enneagram is really showing you your strengths, your weaknesses, but then how to bring it in a healthy perspective. How has God designed you to reflect him in your healthy attributes? How yeah. do, how are you to be more like Christ in the way he designed you? So it's not, how can I be like Jamie Ivy? Mm-hmm. It's how has God created me in the way he designed me to be more like him? Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense to me. And I think it's one of the beautiful things about the Enneagram is that when we look at it as not, here's all your 15 bad qualities. Yes. But we look at it and go, this is how God made me. How do I live the fullest that he created me to be with who I am? Yes. And there's not, it's not like all the threes are awesome and all the nines are lazy and all the fours are crazy and all the, you know, you you can't say that because then that would be categorizing and making people feel less than and bring shame. Exactly. And that's not what it's for. Well, here's the thing. The gospel through Jesus Christ with his life, death and resurrection has completed all things. He has achieved all things. 
Now, we still on this side of heaven are going to struggle. And the Enneagram is going to tell you exactly what it's going to be like when you're struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also is going to show you the path to your own growth. And we have a choice to surrender and depend on the Holy Spirit to come in and work in and through us in moving the healthiest path. But part of that is us by walking in faith, right? It's not us pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. That's us doing it in our own strength. But it's like, I'm going to walk by faith because I see as a nine, I need to keep moving. I need to keep searching. I need to keep expressing myself. I don't want to fall asleep to myself. That is not the healthy pattern for the nine. It's tempting. It's your tendency, right? It's my tendency. It's tempting. It feels cozy. It feels comfortable. Uh But it's not life-giving. And so I have to press in to what's hard. And every type has to do that. Growth for every type is hard. Um, And so what feels easy is actually not going to be the best path. But man, every type of their healthiest is so amazing. So amazing. And I love being with all the types and people say, oh, but I found I'm this type and I don't want to be that type. Every type does that because usually what happens is when we find our type, we're kind of seeing the not so great aspects and it's like, oh, I know that's true, you know, but that's where shame and self-condemnation come in. But our mission statement, your Enneagram coach is for people to see themselves with astonishing clarity so they can break free from self-condemnation, fear and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness and freedom in Christ. So it's not about the Enneagram, the Enneagram is like the x-ray. It just reveals what's going on. The whole point is for you to rest in your identity in Christ and be free. So I imagine with the coaching that you do is that you see a lot of light bulbs go off. Oh my gosh. Is it your favorite? Best thing ever. I love coaching. I don't get to do it as much as I used to. I train uh, certified coaches. So we have our own training program. Yeah. Um, but every time that's why I'm like, yes, let's coach you (laughs) because people are like, oh my goodness. And it's not these aha moments just about themselves. It's when we connect it with the gospel Mm. and they see that they're actually already free. So it's kind of like if you and I were to be like, oh man, if we could just be in Jamie's studio, we would have it made. Yeah. And everyone would be like, you are there. You're there. Yeah. And once we wake up to, we're actually where we've always wanted to be, meaning in Christ, and we have all the blessings that Christ has, then we can totally move in directions we never thought possible. We have lightheartedness and freedom. We can apologize. We can own up to stuff. And we're going to live from a totally different perspective. But so often we don't even realize that we have what we've always longed for. So we got to start at that that starting point of you are complete in Christ. Yes. yes. And from there is where you can grow. And what we do with your Enneagram Coach and in our books and in our materials, we talk about finding your main type. You want to find the type that has your core motivations. And the core motivations is the core fear, which you're always running away from. The core desire, oh, if I just had that, life would be perfect. We have a core weakness, which is also called the passion or deadly sin by other teachers. And I call it the core weakness because we are weak, but he is strong and his grace is sufficient for us. Mm -hmm. But then the biggest one is our core longing. This is the message our heart has always longed to hear. We try to get that from our spouse, our kids, our careers, you name it, other places. And it's like in Jeremiah 2.13, which says, we have forsaken God the spring of living water, and we have dug cisterns, cisterns that don't hold water because they're broken. So what, if you just kind of, to your left is a spring of living water, and to your right is a cistern. A cistern is like a well, but you actually have to put water in it. So here's my cistern. I, as a nine, I long to hear my presence matters. That's my longing. Well, I looked at Jeff and I looked at the kids, fill this, fill this. And they might bring a bottled water. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's good. 
And then five seconds later, it's gone because it's broken. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, wait, what? That's it? That's all you're going to give me? And so I demand more and more. And they could bring a a hose. Mm -hmm. And that's still not going to work, right? But if I recognize, oh, right here is the spring of living water. My presence matters to Christ. He satisfies my core longing because he left his throne to live a brutal life, to die and to rise again, all to bring me back in right relationship with him. If you can tell me a better way of showing someone their presence matters, I would love to hear it Yeah, because that is beautiful. And so I have to rest in that. When I drink from that spring, then I'm satisfied. So then when Jeff brings me, let's say, a quote unquote bottled water yeah. and he says my presence matters, I'm already satiated. I'm right. like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I actually can receive that mm-hmm. now and feel it instead of demanding it yeah. from him. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to show through the Enneagram is what you long for, you actually already have in Christ. Mm, that's so good. You know, I told you that I wanted to be a three. Yeah. Uh, because I just thought like threes are awesome, right? Like, yeah. Or they think they are at least, right? <laughs> I wanted to be a th- What is Jeff, by the way? He's a six. Six, okay. Yeah. I wanted to be a three. Landed pretty, I'm pretty secure in my sixness. But then I guess last year I had kind of this crisis of, I think I'm a nine. And I was like, I think I'm a nine. Yeah. People around me have assured me that I am a six. And the reason that I also really believe I'm a six is because I just read while you're talking the yes. core longing and I got a lump in my throat and I almost started crying. Yeah. And what is it? My core longing is a six is six is to know that I'm safe and secure. Yeah. And um look, I could cry now. I mean, because that's it it really is like that's what I want, is I want to know that you're going to be here tomorrow yeah. and that I'm safe here and that I'm this this whole life I have, that there's security in it. Yeah. And here's the thing. I bet you demonstrate that to everyone around you, that you're there for them, that you have loyalty, you're committed, you're hardworking, you're showing the very thing that you long for. And in though I'm sure people around you show it a little bit and they probably try to show it a lot. It's still a cistern, but Christ is that spring for you. Like you are safe and secure in him. And we don't know. I mean, we were just on a cruise ship and <laughs> during this coronavirus stuff and we're like, are we going to uh-huh. be quarantined or not? Yeah. And we don't know from day to day what's going to happen, right. but we ultimately know our security is in Christ and he has completed everything. Yeah. And so the fact that you can rest in that security in Christ allows your heart to rest. It allows the inner committee of the six to go, okay, I know it's always going to be there, but the Holy Spirit is going to speak directly to my true self with assurance and clarity, and I can rest in that. And that allows the six to breathe and then move towards people instead of demanding others show the loyalty and the commitment, the security that they think they must get from them. Mm. Now they can give it freely. Yeah. You mean tell you how I think the gospel has helped me? Yes. So... I, a a lot of sixes, and if I say anything wrong, please feel free to jump in and correct me. A lot of sixes, we kind of live in a little bit of a worst case scenario type of Mm -hmm. world. And I'm like that. I mean, I tell Aaron, my husband all the time, if you knew the thoughts I had on a daily basis, because I say them out loud to him sometimes. And one thing that we have grown in our marriage is he used to say, that's really dumb, Jamie. That's it's stupid that you're thinking that that's ridiculous. I can't believe you think that. And I would feel like, but I do think, I mean, yes. you feel almost shameful. And yeah. so the Enneagram has taught us that he now will say, that must be really scary. Yes. That must be really hard. Yes. And I go, yeah, it is. Yeah, that's all you needed. Yes, that's all I needed. So we've learned, we've grown. Yes. But I will say that I've seen growth in the last couple of years of my life of, I will think a worst case scenario. I'll give you an example. Um, one that I've struggled with a lot would be that Aaron will leave me. Yeah. My husband. Yep. Worst case scenario. Oh my gosh. Like, I just, I don't know how I would live, blah, 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 blah. I used to get stuck there. Yep. 
I used to get stuck and I would just, oh, it would be so hard. I would ask him, please tell me you're never going to, blah, blah, blah. It would just plague me. And I, and I can find myself getting back in those pits sometimes. But here's where things have changed for me. And you can tell me, I think it's the gospel. Yeah. Is I take that scenario all the way to the end. Yep. Let's say Aaron leaves me. Let's say he dies of cancer. Let's say my kids bust, drive in a creek today and they all die. Like, let's say the worst thing I could ever imagine, the things I think about. Yep. Let's say they happened. God still loves me. Yep. God's still here. He still has a plan for my life. He hasn't left me. And so I take it all the way to the end. I think that. And then you know what happens, Beth? Mm-hmm. I move on. Yeah. And I didn't used to do that. Yeah. Is that, that the gospel you know, in me? That, totally. And it shows growth too. Right? That's how I feel. I'm, I just want to pat myself on the back yeah. all the time when I do that because I take it all the way. Yeah. Whereas Aaron would never take it to the end. Well, and He's never imagined our kids in a bus going into a creek. Right, right. And I might have that thought once a week. But here's the thing. So we have all the types come to us and they have different sayings. The ones will usually come to us and say, Beth, I'm a one, but I've got to tell you, I think I'm a really unhealthy one. Well, of course you think you're unhealthy because you have an inner critic that is telling you all the things you're doing wrong. Right. So of course you think that. It's not necessarily true, mm-hmm. but of course, sixes come to us and say, Beth, I'm a six, but I think, I think I'm crazy. Mm. They all say that. And I'm like, well, of course you think that. You have an inner committee that is chiming in from all different directions, you know, heaping on to you all the worst case scenarios or the possibilities that could happen, but they're coming from different angles. So Jeff has said, he had an epiphany of what it was like. And he said, it's like when you're watching the parliament in England mm-hmm. and the prime minister gets up and says, okay, we're all going to do this or whatever. And they all start chiming in and yelling and booing and hissing and talking. That's what it feels like as a six. So he might think, okay, we're going to go do this in the business. All of a sudden his inner committee from different directions. Well, did you think about this? Well, what about that? Well, this could happen, but over there could happen. Well, we should go this way. No, that way. And all of a sudden that's why sixes can feel the chaos and confusion and they think they're crazy. And I'm like, you're not crazy. Mm -hmm. And even when a six is at their healthiest, that's still going to happen, but they're going to have the tools and the resources to know what's happening and how to bring that back to the Holy spirit. Like you were just saying like, okay, I can see it play out, but I still feel at rest and secure in Christ. And so I don't want sixes to think, okay, well, if I get healthier, I'm not going to have this inner committee dialogue. No, that, that's part of being a six when you're healthy and then when you're unhealthy, when it's unhealthy is when it's literally consuming you and you're living it out as if it's true. Yeah. And so there's all these different tools and resources that we have kind of developed, but absolutely when you can come back to that spring of living waters of type six and say, I am safe and secure in him. We are safe and secure. That's so important. Yeah. And actually the epiphany that Jeff and I had as a couple goes back to exactly what you were saying. So we would have our, we call it the dance, and when people come to our Becoming Us live event, they'll see that we'll talk about the dance, and it's this infinity loop of why we do what we do together as a couple. And whenever he gets intense or passionate or strong or upset, I tend to shut down as a nine. I want to avoid conflict and tension. Well, as soon as I start to shut down or I physically leave because I can't handle it, that communicates to him I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. And to him, it feels like it's the beginning of the end. He has done something so horrid that I'm going to leave him. And so one day he finally asked me in a very vulnerable moment when I was weeping in bed because, you know, the tension was too much. Mm -hmm. He's like, are you going to leave me? And I was like, no, stupid. I never leave you. Like, like as a nine, I had been merging with him, trying to accommodate and please and make him happy the whole my whole life. Yeah. And I'm thinking, how could you ask such a question? Like, that is the furthest thing. Now, I normally don't speak like that, but it was actually good because it woke him up like, oh, I bring a false reality to our relationship that's not even true. Yeah. So it really freed him up to go, 
oh, what I was seeing in her withdrawal was I saw it as like she was leaving me and she just needed some space. Yeah. Now I've had to learn because I still need some time to process. I'm not a fast thinker. I need to kind of calm down. So I need to say to him, hey, I need some space. I'm still for us, but I need 10, 15, 20 minutes, maybe five hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I need some space. I'm going to come back. I just need you to let me have some space. And then that communicates to him, like, I'm really for us, but I just need this. And so what would that be like for you if you kind of had that kind of conversation? With um, Aaron? Yeah. Great. It would be good. But I, I mean, and I think through that, and that's one of the reasons I love the Enneagram with our marriage so much is it helps you go, in the example you just gave, it also helps you go, well, this is not how they process. Right. And so instead of fearing, like, you know, if Aaron gets really upset with me or if Aaron's even, like, busy for the love. Yeah. Right. And like, because he's not going to withdraw. He's not at nine. No. He's just going to be busy and he, focused. And he works hard. Yes. And so there are seasons where he gets really busy. And then I start to think, well, this is the end. Yeah. It's been a good run. Right. right. Literally. And, and if I say that out loud to him, he's like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. I'm right. just working. Yes. And I'm like, oh, okay, I thought you were leaving me. You know, like, that's, I'll go all the way to the worst. Yeah. And this is where the Enneagram can be so powerful for relationships because it's like, Let's not, in our first chapter is called a suicide. Let's not commit a suicide where we assume incorrectly other people's thoughts, feelings, and motives. So you can do that for years. Years. I mean, one of the people that helped us write the book, they were married 44 years. And they were like, oh, if we could have just learned this. Right. You know, 40 years ago. Uh But it just brings that clarity. Oh, you see the world through orange lenses. I see the world through purple. He sees it through green, et cetera, et cetera. Let me take off my lens for a second before I commit a suicide and hurt the relationship. Let me put your lens on or let me ask clarifying questions to hear it from your viewpoint. Or like what I did with Jeff is give clarifying statements. Here's how I feel. This is what's going on for me. I know that leaving could land on you as withdrawal or I'm going to leave you. That's not what's happening in my heart. Uh And so giving those clarifying statements or asking clarifying questions is huge. So we don't commit a suicide and hurt one another. Yeah. We recently, Aaron and I just had, and I'm glad we're we're talking open, like, hey, happy marriages sometimes fight. Like, (laughs) that's true. Yeah, it's good. I think if you don't, there might be a problem. Yes. That's Uh, called flatline, like (laughs) EKG. Yeah. So we recently had, you know, a a discussion. Yes. Maybe a fight. And I was pretty honest Mm -hmm. about something that was really hard and kind of hurting me. And he, it was really hard for him to hear and he didn't like it. Yeah. But it took some time. Then he came back and he was like, I can see where you are coming from. Yes. And I felt that was so healthy. Even though his first reaction wasn't like, oh, I can see where you're coming from. We got there. Yes. You know, and I think that came from just using language that was saying, this is how, this is how I'm seeing this. This is how I'm feeling this. And even though he was like, that's not how it is at all. Right. He was able to see where I was coming from. Yep. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. So we'll usually say, what Jeff and I were hoping is that people will come along side by side. Usually what we're doing is we're kind of fighting, you know, front to front, right, mm-hmm. at each other. But if you can come side by side and kind of say, hey, this situation out here in front of us, this is how I experienced it. This is how it landed on me before I commit a suicide and, and blame you for something that may not be true. This is what happened. How were you trying to communicate or what were you trying to communicate or where am I missing you in this moment. So it puts it outside of us versus at each other. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Makes total sense, yeah. And so, and a lot of times I'll say, hey, as a nine, I saw it from this perspective or it landed on me this way. But as a six, I'm sure you meant it in a different way. Can you clarify? Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean like it's going to be all perfect and we're peachy keen and like there's no mm-hmm. problems. No, I mean, there 
he might still admit it in a way that still lands on me wrong. Yeah. But then we can at least talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're talking a lot about this in a marriage relationship, which yes. is great. And that's, would you say this book is, yeah, it's gospel-centered marriage. Yeah. But we can it's use it. It's a relationship For book. sure, for yeah. sure. But in the marriage yeah. um, aspect about this, what would you say to someone who they're listening and maybe they have been living under a rock and they never heard of the Enneagram, right. but they're in, a, we'll, we'll use marriage for this conversation right here. Yeah. Although this is helpful in every part of your relationship. Every. And I want to ask you about another relationship in a minute, yeah. but for a marriage relationship, if someone's going me and my husband or a man, me and my wife, we're missing each other. Yes. Like we are just, it's like we cannot connect um, spiritually, emotionally, verbally, physically, even like, Oh, we just missing each other. What would you say to them as a part of like a first step for starting to understand each other? Would you say to start to understand yourself first? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Because here's the thing. You can, I mean, our book is going to show you exactly, you know, once your spouse finds their type, mm-hmm. it's going to be in the back of the book. There's what we call the road, Enneagram roadmap. And there are six pages on understanding me and two pages on understanding them. It's going to bullet points really showing you what activates, you know, your spouse and what, how to affirm them, how to love them, how they communicate, all those things. But you have to know where you're starting right. from. Right. Because I would be, I, I get so defensive when Jeff thinks I'm going to leave him. Well, I didn't even know that I my withdrawal was that significant. I thought everyone needs a break. Everyone needs this time. So for me to understand why I need that um, as a nine, that my core fear is conflict and tension and discord and that I lo- or I desire peace and harmony now it makes sense. Now that doesn't mean I have to get it right mm-hmm. at all cost. I can voice that and move towards him, but I have to know myself first in order to move towards the other. Now this isn't like navel gazing and know yourself. This is simply how do I have words to communicate what's going on in my heart to bring clarity, but also to be flexible and to merge, to move towards our spouse, our kids, our friends, our coworkers. Cause it's not about getting what I want. It's about surrendering ourselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And being selfless at the same time, being true to how God designed us. So right. it's a both and, yeah. but we can't, because really, I think what people are trying to do is they're trying to change their spouse. Uh-huh. They're trying to change their kids. Yeah. You can't change anyone. Right. You can change yourself. And so here's the thing. Jeff now knows that my heart is that I'm not going to just leave him. But anytime I start to shut down or withdraw, those same feelings are still going to come up. That's mm. his personality hardwiring. He has a choice to make. Does he trust the spirit? The spirit's with him and for him, and he doesn't have to react, but he can proactively move towards me, or is he going to react? You know, so we have these choices, but he has to do his work. I have to do my work. If we do our work separately and then come together, oh man, it's dynamic. So what you're saying is that core feeling and that core thing of, I still might feel this way when you do that. Oh yeah. It's going to, oh, it's totally going to pop up. Like, but it's what we do with it. It's what we do with it. Yeah. Because I cannot stand any kind of tension. And when I say that, everyone laughs because like we can be at dinner and my husband and my daughter, they can kind of spar mm-hmm. and they just, they're loving it. And then they're, and I'm like, oh my goodness, people, can you please stop? And they're yeah. like, what? We're having a great conversation. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, you're feeling the tension. Yeah. I'm like, no, this is not fun. Yeah. But that's where two things can happen. Either I need to realize, okay, is this really like, is it fine? And if it is fine, it's like, okay, that's mine to own. Like maybe I need to get up and walk away for a while. Maybe I just need to sit here. Um, but then sometimes I can say, Hey guys, I'm really having a hard day. And this kind of tension, I can see you're all fine. You say you're fine, but I'm just having a hard day. Would you mind changing the tone of the conversation? And 
that's where we can then negotiate that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so I need to own my part and not blame everyone else for the work I need to do. But yes, our core motivations, the tendencies, the hardwiring is going to be activated. But are we going to align ourselves with the truth of the gospel? Are we going to be misaligned where we're in our own strength? Or are we going to be completely out of alignment with the truth of the gospel where we're kind of living as an orphan alone in life? Mm -hmm. The ideal is to go, no, I am Christ's beloved child. And that's when our heart is aligned and we can allow him to work in and through us, even though it's still hard. Growth is so, so, so hard. hard. It's so hard. Yeah. Um, and so to recognize, yeah, growth isn't about, oh, I finally arrived. Mm-hmm. It's actually really hard. Yeah. But it's good. And we won't ever really arrive. No. Yeah. Well, heaven, right? Till we see Jesus. Yes. <laughs> uh, I want to tell you about one of Aaron's biggest fights. Yes. And then I want to ask you a question about parenting. In the Enneagram. Um, this was two years ago. Every Christmas Day, we go see Elf at Alamo yes. Draft House Theater, which is a, um, a movie theater where you eat. Yeah. And they show Elf. And it's just, we've been doing this for seven years. It sounds so We fun. go at night. We have dinner. It's a quote along. Now, do they have spaghetti with? Yeah. Well, they do offer that, but they also have like a contest. With the syrup? My son played, he got entered in the contest this year and he had to do it. So we, it's a quote along. So it's just really fun. They give you... Um, I was going to say the word crap. What are like props? They give you props. Yeah. So, and they give you balloons. You blow them up during the bubble scene when they're singing. Yeah. And she's yeah. in the shower. Anyhow, we've been doing this for seven years. And two years ago, we were leaving and everyone in the theater, including my children, started popping the balloons. And I have struggled with theaters for a while of mm-hmm. you know, feeling afraid. Yeah. Just because of things that have happened in our world. Sure. It yeah. can trigger me and I can be super scared. And I fight it a lot. I mean, Years ago, I left a movie theater in the middle because I, I got so anxious. Yeah. So I start yelling at my kids to stop mm-hmm. popping the balloons because I feel like yes. I am about to, I'm so anxious. Yes. And Aaron got so mad at me and we got a fight. And I tried to explain to him, like, I, I could not handle the situation. I'm going to explode. And he was like, you overreacted with the children. And we got in this huge fight. Yeah. And looking back, we both brought things to the table. Yeah. You know, right. I wasn't handling my anxiety well. He wasn't... Well, I don't want to say what it, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But it was in that moment too that I realized we're both interpreting the situation through completely different lenses. Absolutely. And there became a fight. Absolutely. And we could talk about it now and we both know what we brought to the table and how it was hard and all the things. But yeah. that is an example of just seeing things differently. Mm-hmm. And I think I could have handled it differently. Oh, two well, years later, I'm sure I could have. But yeah, and, and that's where it's actually really helpful is if we can kind of look back on situations and think through what happened, mm-hmm. what activated the core motivations, what was activated in that moment. Well, your core fears were totally being activated. You were in your core weakness, which is anxiety. Now, all types can be anxious, but for the sixes, it's that inner committee that is chiming in from all directions. I mean, literally, your inner committee was telling you all the things that have happened in other theaters and what could happen, but then you're being assaulted by all the noise that are similar it was and so it totally makes sense yeah like yeah. you know i mean we're like we're talking about right now but yeah. i can see where your husband's like what in the world Chill out. You know? it's christmas day let right. the kids pop balloons like, everyone else fun. is yeah right. it's fun i'm like this isn't fun i'm yeah. about to have a panic attack so this is where you know we can kind of come along like it's almost even best to even talk about it afterwards uh-huh. when everything is settled you know in our hearts and we're not kind of in that activated moment and say here's how i saw it from a six perspective yeah and i totally know you didn't see it that way you didn't experience that way and you probably don't even kind of quote unquote get it like no, you I can know. logically get it but what i really needed was for you to come alongside and maybe he could have just said can you go outside yeah. and take a break and yes. breathe? I've got the kids. Yes. You know, or you would have told them. I, I, I wish, almost, looking back, I wish I would have regulated myself right. to say I have to get out of here. 
And that's where you guys can talk about it now and say, hey, this is probably what we could have done. Yeah. Or this is what I needed. Yeah. I just didn't know that I needed to express it. I didn't know. Moment. Yeah. And so we learned. I always look back at that and say it was a really good learning, even though it was a really awful fight because yeah. then I was angry at him for not caring about me and blah, 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 blah. Right. All the things that happen in fights. Yeah. But looking back, I'm like, that was a moment when I think I could have left yeah. to help myself. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, that's one of our big fights that we just told the whole world about. Yeah. Uh, question for you. Yeah. Uh, first of all, there are people listening, and we've talked a lot about six and nines in this conversation right. and threes because that's who's in the room. Um, but can you run quickly through the numbers? I don't know how you'd want to do it. Core fear, core longing. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of, I'll just go through the core fear, the core desire. Okay, do that because people are listening. We still yeah. want them. You need to do the research. We'll give you the webpage for go to look at your page and everything. And exactly. I would encourage you to go take the quiz, yep. buy the books, read the things, like spend the time. Yep. But let's just run through them real quick. Yeah, so the core motivations and again, are the core fear, desire, weakness, and longing. You can go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash core motivations, and it's a free PDF with all of them. So since I'm not going to go through all four of those for each type, right. that's where they can see all okay, of good. the book. We'll link it to it yeah. as well, yeah. Okay, so the type one is the moral perfectionist. They fear being wrong, not having integrity, unredeemable, bad, evil, corruptible. They desire to be balanced, virtuous, and right. So it's all about ethics and morals. Now, a lot of types can go, oh, that's me. It's like, well, they have that one loud inner critic that assaults them with all the imperfections of the world. And they are compelled to do what is right. The type two is a supportive advisor. And the supportive advisor fears being rejected, unwanted, unneeded, dispensable, disposable, and they're desiring to be wanted, loved, and appreciated. And so they're really looking for, they're going to serve people. They know their people's emotions and feelings, and they are hoping that others will see what they've done and go, oh my gosh, thank you so much. You're, you're, so, awesome. you're so thoughtful. Um, now the type threes are successful achievers and they fear being inefficient, incapable, unvaluable, um, a failure, and they desire to be capable, competent, efficient, successful, and like just the most admired person in the room. Um, and they can kind of shapeshift into whatever needs to be the most successful in, in any given moment with any given person. They're like the, uh, what do you call them? The chameleon. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they're doing, so they're doing it more for image because mm -hmm. there's some type threes, especially let's say like Christians are like, but I want to do what's good. So maybe I'm a one. For the threes, it could be true, but it's still about their image. Yeah. Ones, it's not about their image. Mm -hmm. um, the type fours, they fear being um, emotionally cut off, mundane, defective, flawed, um, and not being their most authentic self. So they fear they have to put on a persona or be something different. So what they're desiring is to be true to themselves, to express their emotions, to have depth, to... Um, and to express themselves in the most unique and special way. And so for them, they do feel like there's something defective and flawed and that others possess qualities that they lack. And so they're really wanting to present to the world this unique, special quality that they have. The type fives are the investigative thinker, and they fear being annihilated, incapable, incompetent, um, and experience catastrophic depletion of their inner resources. And so what they're really desiring is to be knowledgeable, insightful, capable, and competent. So the biggest thing I want people to hear about fives is it's like they're like a cell phone that's been plugged in all night 
and when they unplug for the day, they still only have about 20 to 25% internal battery life. So like relational battery life for the entire day. So they have to ration it out. So those that are extroverts or even introverts, they're like, they might intrude on their space or surprise them or put obligations on them. And that's like streaming live from their phone and sucking the battery yeah, right they out. They just can't handle it. They can't handle yeah. it. And so a lot of people will feel this kind of boundaries being put up and they're like what in the world um but if we understand how the fives function with this internal battery life then we can ask hey how are you doing do you need to plug Mm -hmm. in do you need some time alone and that can be really helpful Uh, the type sixes are the loyal guardian and which you know um they fear being without guidance security and support blamed targeted and abandoned they desire for that security guidance and support um, and so really the biggest thing to understand about them is that inner committee that is chiming in from all different directions, which causes chaos and confusion inside them. Um, and then our type sevens are the entertaining optimist. They fear being, uh, emotionally, um, like having, having to focus on their emotions and they fear being bored, uh, missing out on something fun, being limited, deprived, And so they're looking and desiring for being fully satisfied and content and happy. And so you're going to see the seven just going from next thing to next thing because they're really trying to fill up this kind of empty bucket inside. But what they don't realize is there's holes at the bottom. So they're like, why is this, you know, empty? So they're looking and striving to fill that up with stimulation and fun. Now, our eights are the protective challengers, and they fear being harmed, manipulated, controlled, challenged, and definitely left at the mercy of injustice. And they desire to protect themselves and those in their small inner circle. And I call them snowplows, like the big diesel, not like anything down here in Austin. No, this is up north. Yeah, the big diesel snowplows. And they will plow a path for you when they're healthy. And it is amazing. But they can also sometimes unknowingly and sometimes knowingly, uh, nick people or plow over plow people. over you. I was going to yeah. say, or plow right over you. But really, the heart of a, of an eight is to plow a path for yeah. others, mm-hmm. and they're oh, they're so amazing. And Martin Luther King Jr. would yeah. be a great example. Yeah. Um, and then last but not least, my type is the type nine. We fear um, any kind of tension, conflict, um, discord with others, and what we really want is peace and harmony and inner stability. Yeah. Okay, if, if people's heads are spinning, like, okay, where am I? Where Fire am I? Hose. Again, go go explore. And, and you know, I've had plenty of friends who it's taken them months, if oh. not years, to figure out well, what they Jeff, are. Well, Jeff, my husband, he mistyped himself for many years. My mom is a type. This is my fear that I'm going to mistype myself. Well, my mom is a six. And when I was reading it at the very first, I could clearly see that Jeff was a six. And I'm like, I really think you're a six. And then I was like, my, my mom is a six. And she, he's like, I am not <laughs> like yeah, yeah, your yeah, mom. Because yeah. my mom is a type of six that's, even though they all have anxiety, she shows her anxiety, which is the phobic six. Mm-hmm. And then Jeff is the other spectrum of the counterphobic six. Like they feel the fear, but they're like, oh no, I'm moving into it. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm going to yeah. like, go for it. Mm-hmm. So people can think of them as eights, which is what he thought he was. Yeah. He thought he was an eight. But underneath it is still that inner committee that yeah. is causing chaos and confusion and self-doubt. Um, but out, outward, he looks decisive. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? There's so much to learn because even like we don't have time, but we could get into like wings and stances. And yes. I don't understand a thing about stances. That's like the next thing that I want to learn. And I don't understand it. Yeah. I am like, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, just trying to figure out my wing as well, which is, yeah. Well, and here's the thing. There are, I mean, I love to geek out on it. But what Jeff and I have seen, especially when we created the 45 courses for marriage, if you would just focus on your core motivations and to really dive deep into that, because when you are activated, 
whether personally or with another person, you're going to be activated in those core motivations. And if you can focus on that and focus on your heart condition in the moment and see what's going on, you can change the trajectory of yourself, but also your relationships from a misaligned dance to an aligned dance, just by focusing on those four aspects. Without having to worry about all the other stuff. Without having, I mean, no, that's all great for sure. It's super great, super helpful. But if you'll just start, it's kind of like, okay, I'm from Kansas City Uh and they just won. Go Chiefs, way to go. They just won. Uh But when they go out to practice before the Super Bowl, they're not doing all the hard tricks and plays. They're they're focusing on the fundamentals Mm -hmm. because it's at the fundamentals that everything else comes from. And so that's why I want people to focus. Okay, just focus on those core motivations first and foremost and then build upon it. You don't have to know all of those other things if you don't understand why you do it. I love that football reference you just brought to the table, Beth. Yes, especially the Chiefs, right? I know, right? (laughs) After 50 Uh, years. I know, I know. Y'all's quarterback is so cute. Yeah. Just want to have him over dinner and be like, come here over here, little boy. Maybe he'll do your show. I know. He just seems so kind and and his mom seems so kind. He just seems like such a good kid. I call him a kid because he is a kid. I know. He's a kid to us for sure. To me, yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, Okay, so here's here's a question. So those courses, Yes. I would find one that's for a three and a six. Yep, yep. And here's the thing. If someone were to, let's say, kind of like you're like, I'm afraid I want to mistype. If even if you mistype, I really don't think I am. But yeah. yeah. But even if someone mistypes, you're still learning a lot about yourself. Yeah. Let's say you're like, I think I'm a one. Uh I think he's a two. You can always get our course. And if it's wrong, because you'll kind of get into Uh it. The the first couple kind of shows you what the Enneagram is and a few other things. If you're like, wait, this isn't me. We'll exchange it for free. Oh, of course you will. Because y'all are nice. That's awesome. There are many paths to finding your family story. Whichever way you choose, it's easy to get started with Ancestry. An Ancestry DNA test tells you where your ancestors are from, and Ancestry's billions of records and millions of family trees let you discover their personal stories. You could find a famous relative or perhaps a photo of your great-grandmother as a little girl. Researching your history is a fun activity for the whole family, and the stories you learn about your shared past can bring you closer together. Ancestry DNA can reveal ethnic origins and provide historical details that bring unique family stories to life. Ancestry DNA doesn't just tell you which countries you're from, but also can pinpoint the specific regions within them, providing insightful geographic detail about your history. Trace the paths of your recent ancestors and learn how and why your family moved from place to place around the world. My mom is tracing our ancestors right now, and it is such a great experience. No other DNA test delivers such a unique interactive experience as Ancestry. Start exploring your family story today. Head to Ancestry.com slash happy hour to get your Ancestry DNA kit and start your free trial. That's Ancestry.com slash happy hour. I believe in having clean options. I support companies who innovate products that break the norm and help clean up my daily routine. That's why I love Native for my deodorant needs. In fact, I love it so much, I just gifted my mom with a Native deodorant. Native is made with ingredients that you've actually heard of, like coconut oil, shea butter, and tapioca starch. They never use things like aluminum, parabens, sulfates, or talc. It's also vegan and never tested on animals. Native just released plastic-free deodorant made from 100% paperboard and shipped in a plastic-free bag. Switching to an aluminum-free deodorant doesn't mean you have to sacrifice on odor protection. Native will keep you smelling and feeling fresh all day long. 
Native comes in over 10 scents like coconut and vanilla and lavender and rose, plus rotating seasonals like the pumpkin spice latte collection. My favorite scent right now out of all of them is the coconut and vanilla. I have loved it this summer. I'm thinking about trying lavender and rose next. Maybe even a pumpkin spice latte deodorant. Native is risk-free to try with free shipping within the U.S. and free 30-day returns and exchanges. Guys, do what I did and make the switch to Native today by going to nativedeo.com slash Jamie Ivey. Or use the promo code Jamie Ivy, J-A-M-I-E-I-V-E-Y at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash Jamie Ivy. Or use my name as a promo code Jamie Ivy at checkout for 20% off your first order. Okay, we have not that much time, but I have to ask you about parenting. Yes. I don't know who it was told me like, and, and I would love to have your opinion on this as well, is that, that we are at a very young age, we yes. are who we are. Yep. Okay. I, Aaron and I have decided, even though we have pretty strong guesses on three out of four of our children, yeah. is that we don't want to tell them. Right. You agree? Yep. Okay. Because we don't want to put anything on them yep. that might not be true. Yep. And they haven't taken it. Well, one of my kids did go online and take a test. Yeah. But as far as like parenting, I feel like this is where I focus a lot on understanding Aaron and I's yes. relationship because of who we are and our core desires and feelings. Where I think I really struggle in this work is on with my children. Mm-hmm. Because I can sometimes be like, this is how it is. This is how we're going to parent. Just these are the rules. Do this. Yep. Now, that wouldn't work if it was, if Aaron, and if I didn't work at knowing Aaron's personality, we'd have a harder marriage. Yep. And so where I struggle the most is with parenting my children, understanding their core desires and fears. Yeah. Is yeah. this common? Is there something wrong oh. with me or is this everybody? No, that's everyone. And here's the thing, like you can't type your kids. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like, I also feel like this, sorry to interrupt you. There's four of them. I'm like, right. how am I supposed to do this with yeah. you guys? But here's the thing, as an Enneagram coach, I don't type other people, meaning like people come to me for advice and, uh-huh. and actually they pay me to help yeah. find their type, but I don't tell them their type because it's part of their own journey that they right. discover. I'll listen, I'll guide. I'll say that sounds like this, but it also sounds like this. What do you think of this? So I'm guiding, but I'm never naming because that's what they have to do. Yeah. Same with kids. I thought Nate was probably a six, one or two. Um, I mean, we started using, I mean, I learned about the Enneagram when they were one and three. Yeah. So we had it all this time. And I was like, what is he? You know, but we didn't name him. Uh-huh. Um, I even one time, I think it was like nine or 10. He was like helping a kid. And I'm like, okay, did you do that? Because it's the right thing to do, <laughs> the helpful thing yeah, or the loyal thing. And he looked at me like, yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I don't oh know. Oh my yeah, gosh, yeah. you're not helping yeah. me. But I think it was God's grace and humor to say, be patient. And so first and foremost, I would say, parenting with the Enneagram is all about knowing why you do what you do because not them, not them. Got it. Because I mean, it's helpful to know that there are nine types and there's nine ways of seeing the world, but until you know where they're seeing it from, you can kind of misparent them. Yeah. If you, if I thought Nate was a one and I parent him from a one perspective, he's actually a six. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So as a nine, I'm actually trying to make little angels. I think everyone should be empathetic and compassionate and calm and quiet and, you know, this whole peaceful atmosphere. And I'm telling everyone they should be like this, right? Uh-huh. Now, in a sense, those are good qualities For in, sure. in life. Yeah. But I'm demanding yeah. it, right? And what if I had an eight or a seven? Like, 
that's not how God designed them to be. Now, are there qualities that a nine has that can For sure. help them? Yes. yes. Yeah. But so I need to realize what am I doing that is not helpful and healthy? And what can I bring to them that is helpful and healthy? And that all, again, comes back to is your heart aligned, misaligned, or out of alignment with the truth of the gospel. So if you're going to use the Enneagram from parenting, the first and foremost thing is to see it through how you are acting. So example. What am I demanding as a six? Loyalty, hard work, commitment, truth, to not lie. Oh, I hate lying so much. Yeah. I literally, my head can explode from lying. Yeah. And that's, I mean, of course, no one. Of course, lying is bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's but it will send me over the edge. A, a six because it's not being loyal. It's not being truthful. You can't trust anything you say. Yeah, I can't trust you. I don't even trust you. And who trust are is you? A huge deal. Yeah, trust is security. Yeah. Um, whereas okay. for me as a nine, it's about being kind and empathetic and thoughtful. I mean, if I see my kid being disrespectful to another kid or an adult or not being um, mindful and helpful, I'm like that just riles me up. I'm like, that's so rude. That's so mean, you know, so I'm seeing through my own lens. So as a six or as a nine, when I am under stress, I will move to the average, the unhealthy quality. So six, which is this where the lines connect and it's a whole nother layer. And it's a whole nother layer. But what I realized is when I was late getting to an airport with the family in the car, I was irritable, testy, thinking of worst case scenarios, how long it was going to take, what's going on. And so I was acting this out, not not at them, but they were having to experience it. And that's when the rumble strip came up and I was like, oh wait, I can totally see why like, I'm, I'm doing this. Here. Yeah. I'm off. And I told them, I am so sorry. I can totally see what's going on. I now know why. I apologize. I go, I don't know if I can stop it since we're not at the airport yet, but I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to help me. But what that did was I owned my stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't put it on them. That doesn't mean I can't ask them for help or, you know, consideration and stuff like that, but I own my own stuff. And that was helpful for them to go, okay, mom, mom sees her stuff. Mm. It's not my fault. Cause a lot of kids are going to blame themselves, even if it's their parents stuff. And so what I would say first and foremost is do your own work. And parent from a healthy perspective. But then you can eliminate some types that you're like pretty sure your kid isn't. I would still hold it loosely. Mm -hmm. Then hold probably three or four numbers loosely that you think they are until they're teenagers and they can name themselves. Now, depends on how well they know themselves, right? Right. Some 40-year-olds don't even know themselves. Uh So um, if you've been talking about just your inner world with your kids more openly, then they'll get to the place where they'll do it themselves. Yeah. Um, but if you haven't, then they might not know why they do what they do. So what numbers are your children? Six and a two, which is interesting. So Jeff is a six and Nate's a six. Uh And it's almost like I'm watching Uh my husband 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. Yeah. But we have a really good story with that. So Jeff, so Nate came to him before he was going off to college, like, dad, I want to like, actually to both of us, I I think I want to do a side job, a side hustle of photography because he had the skill to do, you know, little, little things for, you know, because kids these days, they'll like pay like $50 for Instagram photos. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so we're like, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. knock it out of the park. Well, Jeff being a good six and a helpful father, he's telling him all the reasons why this isn't going to work yeah. or what could go wrong. Yeah. But he feels like he's instilling good wisdom. Uh-huh. Well, he's already a six. He's already We've already been through all those. The worst case scenarios. And he was like, Dad, I don't want to have to tell you this, but you're kind of squashing my fears. Uh-huh. And I already was thinking all these And that really was hard for Jeff to hear, but he totally saw it and owned it and said, Nate, I'm so sorry. My heart was to help, but I can see how 
adding my six to your six was really hard. That's crazy. And so then they can talk yeah. about it. Yeah. But that's where being open and honest and, and owning your own stuff yeah. and coming under the submission of Christ, yeah. knowing we're already set free, we can come together in a totally different trajectory yeah. than, what? I was just trying to help. Uh-huh. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. So the opposite. Yeah. Um, tell me if you think this is odd. Um, I am a, I only have one sibling. Yeah. So it's just my brother and I, and we're both the same number. Yeah, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's common, but okay. it's not. I mean, like, I know, we're like, I can't believe it. Yeah, it's not. I mean, like, so Jeff um, and Nate, though they're the same type, there's so many layers to Nagram, mm-hmm. they're different subtypes. Um, we won't even go there. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But so they have enough differences that they have the same core motivations and similar operations, but they're still different. Yeah. And here's the thing even if you're the same of two numbers, you have different life stories, different backgrounds, sure. yep. traumas, excitement. Yeah everything. Yeah. So you're still unique. Yeah. But this gives a framework of why you do what you do. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, this is just, it's such, I love talking about this because I've mm-hmm. seen the benefits as a tool in yeah. my life. Like you've, we've said a thousand times, the gospel is what changes us, yeah. but this is a tool. I like your illustration. And so thanks for the work that you guys yeah. are doing in this space. It's really needed. It's really helpful. And um, I'm excited about all the relationships that are going to grow and deepen yeah. because of the work that you guys are doing. Oh, thanks. Um, and I'm going to get me some journals for Aaron and I. Yeah. We're going to have a family meeting. Yes. We're going to go through our journals. Okay, but I do ask everyone at the end, what are you loving? What are you reading? I don't know about you guys, but schooling at home was quite an adjustment. I was trying to work. My kids were trying to do school. I'm trying to keep up with what their teachers are doing. It was really difficult. And it's times like these that inspired me to check out Laurel Springs. Online learning might be new for your family, but Laurel Springs has been doing this for nearly 30 years. As the experts in online learning, Laurel Springs has the tools and the curriculum that your child needs to maintain their learning unhindered by whatever the future holds. Their flexible learning programs designed for students in kindergarten through 12th grade offer challenging and diverse courses. And Laurel Springs is accredited with the Western Association of Schools and Colleges, Incognia, which means their transcripts are recognized by colleges and universities worldwide. Register your child at laurelsprings.com slash happy hour today and receive a waived registration fee. That's laurelsprings.com slash happy hour for your waived registration fee. laurelsprings.com slash happy hour. Thrive Market delivers organic and sustainable groceries right to your door. Just recently, I went to Thrive Markets. I got my account and I stocked up on snacks because my kids all day long, mom, we need more snacks. We need more snacks. And what I loved about it is I could go straight to Thrive Market. I could pick out that I wanted vegan or paleo or gluten-free, whatever might need our family's needs. And they are going to deliver it straight to my door. And I'm a happy mama. And those kids are happy kids. As a Thrive Market member, your paid membership provides a free one for someone in need, like a low-income family, teacher, veteran, or first responder. Thrive Market tailors to over 70 different diets and values, like paleo, keto, or plant-based, delivering the highest quality organic and sustainable essentials from groceries, healthy snacks, meat and seafood, clean wines, non-toxic cleaning, bath and body, and stuff for your pets, which I also got some great dog bones for my sweet little puppers. As a member, you're going to save 25 to 50% off traditional retail prices, and their carbon neutral shipping is free on orders over $49. In addition to membership matching, which is so phenomenal that they do that, Thrive Market has raised over $750,000 to date through their COVID-19 relief fund. If this sounds like something you are interested, go to thrivemarket.com slash happy hour. 
Join today and you're going to get a free gift of your choosing up to $22 in value. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, market.com slash happy hour because you're listening on the happy hour. Go there today to start your risk-free membership and get a free gift today. Thrivemarket.com slash happy hour. Okay, what I'm loving, what I'm reading, what I'm loving, actually, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm listening to Bruno Major. I don't know if you've heard of him. I have not. I just love his music. I just, there's something about it that feels very nine-ish, but also moody. Okay. I don't know. I just really enjoy uh-huh. it. But what I'm reading is um, The Soul of Shame by and Kurt Thompson. Yep. And I have it and haven't read it. Yes. I was listening to audio and now I was walking. I'm like, this is so good. I need to sit I and need actually to my read eyes. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now I've got the book and I'm going to start underlining. And I, it was my husband's book. And every time I get a hold of the book, I'm like, I'm sorry, you're going to have to get another one. I need it back. Because yeah. I like underline yeah. so much yeah. and it drives them crazy. But yeah. I'm like, ah, sorry. Uh-huh. But no, it's a really good book. Yeah. The Soul of Shame. Have you listened to the Enneagram songs by... Oh. Um, Yes, Ryan O'Neill. He actually forwarded the Type 9 book for me. Aww. Yeah, so... Sleeping at Last for everybody. Sleeping at Last. Ryan O'Neill. Yeah, Yeah. his music. When I first started listening, I think it was... I think it was the Type 1 song, because that was the first one that came out. But when I listened to it, I was like, he has got to be a 9. And the reason why I say that is because 9s can see through the lens of all 9 types. I've heard. And when I heard him, I could just hear that he literally embodied each of the types. Yeah. And he did such a perfect masterful job it was really good really good job and so then it. when he got to eight because i'm a strong eight wing i bawled i mean ugly ball and then i got to nine. i was really afraid of nine so i had to like listen to these with no one around but i got to nine i think it's actually in my highlights bald i mean it was it's he just does a masterful job yeah, so yeah if you're gonna listen to sleeping at last enneagram songs I recommend you do it alone first. Get, get with it and do it alone. <laughs> Beth, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks uh, for having seriously, me. fan of y'all's work. Proud of what you're doing. And thanks. I love it. Thank you. Friends, thank you for joining us today. And I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Beth. I know we talked a lot about sixes and threes and nines. But if you are intrigued at all about how you might see the world through your specific personality lens and also how this might affect your marriage, I highly recommend you check out Beth's book, Becoming Us, Using the Enneagram to Create Thriving Gospel-Centered Marriage. Also, check out the Enneagram journals that we talked about that go through each specific number. If you're new to this Enneagram conversation, I suggest you start with the book, The Road Back to You by Suzanne Stabile and Ian Cron. And if you want to listen to more Enneagram talk, go back to episode number 205, where I interview Suzanne Stabile. It's still one of my favorite interviews ever and an interview where I can say I was actually nervous before I sat down with her. If you're an Enneagram 6 like me, or you know someone that is, or you just want to hear an interview with Suzanne and I, be sure and find me over on Suzanne's podcast called The Enneagram Journey on episodes number 42 and 43. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Aki Slockers. The whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Next week, my friend Lisa Whittle joins me on the happy hour. Lisa was a guest on the show in 2017, happy hour number 161. And I highly recommend listening to that episode ahead of time to learn a bit of Lisa's story before next week. Lisa is a gifted writer, one of my favorite writers. And we discuss the importance of her newest book, Jesus Over Everything. Lisa shares that in a culture that carries the confusion of overindulgence, endless options, and influencer voices, The Jesus First Life clears our minds and hearts of noise so our souls can find true meaning and rest. 
I truly loved our conversation and we tackle some hard thoughts about what it actually looks like in our culture and our day and age to put Jesus first over everything. Friends, enjoy the week. I hope that no matter what your days look like right now, and I'm confident they look different than they did a month ago, I hope that you can find glimpses of sunshine. I hope you can see joy in the midst of chaos. I hope that you can see blessings abounding from the Father, even when things look different. Guys, share the show with a girlfriend. Have a virtual happy hour with a friend. I'll see you next week with my friend, Lisa Whittle. Hey guys, you are listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie and I'm your host and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode.